What's up, everybody? It is time for our Friday COVID coronavirus special. <laughs> or second week episode. Second second episode of the week, rather. Uh, you can tell that I haven't been sleeping much. I have been deep in prep. And uh, uh, my sleeping schedule's weird right now, which I've been completely going against what I have been suggesting to you guys, which is keep a solid sleep schedule. I got to try to get myself back on one because uh, I feel like my mouth is working faster than my brain is today. So good luck to you having to listen to me. I'm joined as always by my buddy Liam. Hello, Liam. Hello. <laughs> I feel like you're like, you're, you've now become like the producer that Conan has on his show all the time. What's his producer's name? I can't remember. Uh, do you know that gag? Yeah, you know that gag where Conan for years has had his producer on the show and his producer his producer has absolutely zero personality. It's kind of strange. No, because so I don't I'm, I don't watch Conan. I feel like this is a theme. You say something and then I'm like, I don't watch that. Well, the good news is that uh today's episode is uh we're gonna catch you guys up on on some stuff on with the corona stuff, you know. But also, I want to uh, dig deep into what to watch uh, because everybody right now is uh, streaming stuff. Everybody's watching things. Um, but first, actually, talking about streaming stuff and content, um, we were talking about this last week, Liam, that um, apparently because of coronavirus, uh, podcast listenerships have gone down, Correct. Is this something that we've been talking about? Yes, that is correct. We have been talking about it. And also just to, uh, do you want to talk about like what the stats are? Because I saw some numbers. Yeah, what are the, st- what are the numbers? What are the numbers? So the numbers uh, on average look to be down like 25% across the board for podcast plays and downloads. Um, and I was looking on Twitter when somebody posted that. And uh, over like a thousand responses on it, the majority were saying that they were looking at 25 to 50% down and how are we doing uh we just had our best week ever (laughs) that's right suck it suck it to all those other podcasts out there because right now we are doing the best that we've ever done which means that you guys listening have been tuning in and telling your friends to tune in and i'm just gonna give you a virtual high fucking five right now for supporting us and for tuning in, um, very honored that you guys uh, fill your busy schedules. You know, you guys make time in your busy day schedules that we all have right now to spend a few hours and listen to the shows twice a week, twice a week. So for all those other places that have their numbers down, uh, uh, maybe you should make your stuff better. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'd like to uh, add thank you to everyone for seeing us as a resource during this time because you can yes obviously that's that goes without saying but it, it I, I do want to point out that it from my perspective it shows that doing this research finding all these uh, different ways to help and and resources to financial aid or to uh, uh, just how to make a PB and J that it shows that you know it's not for vain. And we appreciate it. Yeah. And I also want to say that our fans are the best fans. I just want to say that straight up. 
And Fuck yeah. uh, I'm cocky about how cool our fans are because I've been talking to you guys. You guys have been reaching out on Instagram. You guys have been sending suggestions for shows. You guys have been asking a lot of questions on Instagram. Um, so I just want to thank you. I want to thank you all for being there consistently and um, wanting to listen to the show and uh, for telling your friends about the show. Now, if you're one of those listeners who haven't told anybody and you're just taking credit for telling people, then shame on you. You should be telling people about how cool this show is. Um, and if you haven't been doing so, then you're really not a help. <laughs> but uh, you can fix that. Uh, you can uh, jump the line to the people that I, I admire that listen to the show by simply telling your friends that you listen to the show. That's all you have to do. We like to brag about what we're eating. We like to post pictures about the food that we've had all day. We like to brag about movies that we like. I would love it if you guys bragged about listening to this show, right? Because you guys know about it before all your friends do. That makes you the cool person. That way, when you tell your friends about how cool this show is and how much fun you have listening to the show, they're going to think that you're cool and that you're at the cutting edge, right? <laughs> because uh, you've told them first, right? Does that make sense to you, Liam? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm in one of those moods today. I'm in one of those moods today where I'm going to cause some trouble. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, I'm feeling stir crazy, and uh, we're going to start. Uh, we're going to get into it today. Um, I'm just. Uh, I'm buying myself some time here while I'm waiting for my Instagram to load because I want to. Um, I want to answer one of these questions that I had. By the way. A bunch of people have been sending me their three favorite horror movies to see 12KM. That is the only way you can see my movies. If you follow me on Instagram, at Mike Petchy on Instagram, send me a message with your three favorite horror films, um, and uh, I can hopefully agree with you on that. And uh, if we do agree, then I'll send you a link to see the movie. Uh, so that's the only way that you'll be able to see 12KM. So I've been getting a bunch of questions on Instagram, and one of the questions I recently got was from a cinematographer, a young cinematographer who is living outside of New York and Los Angeles, and eventually I think he wants to make the move to LA or New York, um, and he was asking me about rates. He was asking me about how much money he should charge to do specific things. And it's always a tough it's always a really tough uh, thing to sort of generalize rates because it all depends on on, on a variable, like a, a bunch of different variables, okay? See, like I said, my mouth doesn't fucking work today. On a bunch of different variables. One, how long have you been doing it? Have you been shooting for over five years? Have you been shooting for over 10 years? Two, and I hate to say this, but two also includes what sort of gear you have in your kit, what kind of gear that you've been trained on, uh, what kind of stuff you do. Three, here's the big thing. Are you just a cameraman or are you a cinematographer? Now, the difference between those two on a money level is that if you're a cameraman and you're someone that has a camera and you're able to go shoot um, industrials, you're able to go shoot uh, corporate videos, and it's like you and maybe a lighting technician or you an assistant, um, you're, you're essentially, I, I don't want to say it that way. Basically, the difference between that person and a cinematographer is that a cinematographer is usually in charge of a much bigger department. A cinematographer is uh, in charge of, 
uh, gaffering multiple grips, multiple lighting technicians, uh, usually a larger AC department. Uh, cinematographer has experience ordering equipment, uh, managing and scheduling people. Um, there's a bunch of managerial tasks that need to be done if you're a cinematographer, not to mention the prep, how much time you're spending on prep, how much time you're doing on research or that sort of stuff. So the prices jump dramatically between being a, uh, a DP or a videographer and a cinematographer because it isn't just about interacting with the camera. It's not just about uh, shooting pretty images. It's all that behind the scenes stuff that requires more time and more skill. And as a, as a cinematographer that works with bigger crews, you usually have access to larger crews. You have a larger, uh, no one has a Rolodex anymore, but you guys have a larger contact list of crew people that you can hire. So the price definitely jumps and the price varies on these things. So if you're a videographer um, and if you're a videographer without gear, I would say no matter what, no matter what, you should be starting your rate at $800 a day, no matter what, if you're at that low end, unless you're doing a favor for somebody and you're doing something else. But I would generally pay on a any of my sort of corporate stuff, I would start at $800 a day, and that would range between $800 and $1,500 a day, depending upon the experience level of that person. Now, these are on non-union uh, you know, commercials, non-union music videos, that whole game. You guys should at least be starting there. Don't work for anything less if you're a... a, a videographer or cinematographer or DP or whatever you want to call yourself, don't work for anything less than $800 a day. Um, and if you can rope in a gear rental, a kit rental on top of that and get your price up to $1,200 a day, um, I think you're in good shape. Now, these are just rough, loose numbers. I know if uh, we had, like if Cruder was on the show, he'd probably be giving me shit for, for running those numbers. But I would say being a producer that hires people, being someone that uh, does put on productions. Um, whenever I try to put together a cinematographer rate or a director of photography rate or even a videographer rate and a cameraman's rate, I'm generally at the starting point is at $800 for like a eight to 12 hour day. Um, if you are just a camera person, if you're just someone that's showing up and doing camera work, it's a little bit different. Sometimes that's, for me, it's like a 600, you know, five and a half, six hundred $600 range. You know, um, lighting techs and stuff are about 550, 600. You know, that's kind of the game when I'm putting on my music video stuff or if I'm doing um, sort of smaller commercials and stuff like that. So just to give you a point of reference, that's usually what I charge for. Now, you then can charge more for that stuff based upon your experience and based upon um, your skill level. And, and like I said, assess what it is that you do. Are you a cameraman? Are you a videographer? Or are you a cinematographer? And it really comes down to uh, how much prep you're putting into it uh, and during the day what you're managing what your responsibilities are. And the jump between being a videographer and a cinematographer, responsibilities are massive. They're huge. You're interacting with production designer, you're interacting with your, your department heads, uh, you're interacting with the producer, you're budgeting, you're doing all sorts of stuff. So 
that's one of the reasons why there's a, such a huge price jump um, in rates for that sort of thing. So I figured I would just loosely tackle that question off the top of my head. Uh, if you disagree with me, if, if those of you that are listening, if you disagree with me, then uh, like I said, write to me on Instagram and, and uh, tell me that I'm a fucking idiot and uh, school me and see what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, what are we at? 247. So I know that um, in a couple minutes, uh, we're going to have a guest on the show. He has been a frequent guest in the past with us. Uh, we'll see if he can jump in on Zencaster. I see him attempting to log in right now. Uh, so once he jumps in, uh, we'll give him a formal introduction. Um, and then you have some stuff we'll, we'll talk about it later in the episode. You have some further updates on uh, the COVID stuff for us, Liam? Yeah, I've got a, I, I got a good amount. Mostly it's, uh, you know, updates on some uh, musician relief resources. I've got a phone call coming in. Notice how my phone didn't go off this time. What a win. Uh, <laughs> I have a more or less, yeah, some fun games that uh, I thought was cool. Updates on a new streaming service that may or may not have just been released. And uh, mm-hmm. and then something about cats. I'm very excited about that one. Oh, boy. Uh- Okay, okay, okay. I'm curious. We'll get into that. And um, right before our guest sort of jumps in, the other thing that uh, we're going to talk about on the show really is uh, what to watch. What am I watching? What are you watching? Let's talk about, let's, let's see if we can hack our algorithms so that way we can, uh, we can get out of the, the, the bullshit that they're, they're trying to make us watch and go back and find some shit that uh, I think is really great to watch and sometimes more often than not gets buried in either algorithms or it's difficult to find because of licensing issues so we'll tackle a list of stuff there let me just check in here with our guest if you are listening our special guest i just sent you a text <laughs> isn't this such this is a good radio right here is listening to to me um, try to produce our guest on the show and not actually talk to you guys. So you guys can just you guys can just shut up and sit in the background and listen to this. I mean, it's, uh, it's riveting. Isn't it riveting? Yeah, I'm glued. <laughs> I'm glued to this right now. <laughs> I wonder if he's having trouble. Um, well, in the meantime, while we're waiting for him, so <clears throat> I don't know if you guys um, are the same way that I am. Probably not because I'm old and cynical at this point. Uh, but I get fucking frustrated when I sign into streaming platforms like Netflix and um, I really hate the algorithms and I really hate their suggestion bars because as you sort of go through their main page, they break it up by um, type of film, by genre of film. And how many times do we see the same movies listed on these different suggestion things? Do you find that stuff irritating, Liam? He asks as I'm drinking water. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i stopped going on streaming like i think three weeks ago because i've just been solely on youtube just googling stuff and uh and then going on youtube and searching for videos and watching short form content so which is which is valid because a lot of people are doing that right now a lot of people are just sinking into youtube and watching their shows that they subscribe to or there's a lot of really 
uh, interesting YouTube content out there uh, right now. What What are you watching on YouTube? Um, well, I'm trying to I'm trying to learn as much as I possibly can right now, and I know a lot of people are putting up content uh, to learn new skills or that sort of stuff. So I mentioned this uh, over the past couple of weeks, but I look a lot at like School of Motion and Aperture and uh, uh, the future. And so, like the future right now, which is the future with no E, we're not sponsored, but whatever. Um, I really like them. They are doing a typography. Uh, critique session right now and so hmm. they're showing different artists work um, when it comes to typography and font choice and uh, physically making new fonts uh, and it's absolutely amazing to see the design side of things I'm trying to build basically my my basis for design uh, my eye for design and understanding composition um, contrast within the frame and then as well as mm -hmm. uh, actual typography and kinetic typography choices. So that's really what I've been uh, obsessing with. I, well, it makes sense. Cause you, since we started working together, you've really been trying to focus on uh, uh, design a little bit more because that's been something that's been frustrating you for a while. I know you were irritated with a lot of the graphic stuff that we've been doing lately, but you've been doing a really good job with all of our promotional graphics and all our promotional video stuff, dude. So I appreciate um, it. You know, it's nice to hear a lie every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not lying, man. No, I know. That one day, though, when, when you saw me have like a, I, I think I was having an existential crisis uh, at your place when you were like, what's going on? How's that, uh, how's that design going? And I just was, I had the thousand yard stare. <laughs> yes, I remember this. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was like uh, you were just possessed by anger. It was just deep. <laughs> Deep, deep anger. So I think it's good that you're that you're uh, tackling that head on, and you're you're trying to teach yourself some new techniques, which is a very cool thing to do right now, especially since we're all stuck and trapped in our place. Um, I don't. I wonder if our guest is having trouble. I'm trying to text him, Brett. If you're okay, so I, our guest is Brett. Brett's gonna be on the show. I just fucking let that run. Whoa! What a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Brett's gonna be on the show with us. Uh, if you can hear me, Brett, just try to jump right in. I'm going to try to call him in a sec. If we can't uh, get there, we might take a break and then jump back in. We'll see. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, what I was saying about Netflix is that I often get frustrated because I'm, I'm oftentimes I'm looking for something new. I'm looking, I'm looking deep uh, for something interesting, and I just get irritated because I feel like they're either pushing obviously pushing their own content because that's first and foremost for those guys. Um, but I, I often feel like the algorithm is like, it's not telling me everything that's on Netflix. And so one of the things I did this morning is I went online and there are a bunch of different websites that you can go and you can find the full list of movies that are on Netflix and you can actually scroll through it the way you would in the old days before the algorithms where you, where like you would go through the video store and sort of like hunt through the aisles and look for stuff. Um, and one of the things I noticed is that there isn't a lot of good stuff on there, especially old stuff. I mean, their series, their original content is great, but I think they, it just visually seems like looking at their list, it seems like they pissed off everybody and everybody sort of pulled their licenses from these guys. Um, because the, the selection of older films is really rugged on there right now. Um, sure, they have some like really good classics on there, which they seem to be promoting the shit out of. 
probably because they're paying top dollar for them, but uh, they have the Indiana Jones series. So all four from the Indiana Jones franchise are on there. Um, have you ever watched any of those movies, Liam? You know what? This is going to surprise you, but yes. All right. Just checking in. So have you seen all four of them or have you seen uh, just a few of them? No, I have seen all four of them. Uh, in high school, in my physics class, we did a uh, bad movie physics and I broke down three different ways why Indiana Jones should have died in the, uh, in the explosion <laughs> scene when he's in the fridge. <laughs> Dude, leave it to you to take a fun movie and make it not fun. <laughs> Dude, that that was the whole goddamn class. Number one, <laughs> number two, you should have seen my uh, my guest breakdown of V for Vendetta when my girlfriend at the time was breaking down when he was throwing the knives, and uh, apparently she only wanted when he was throwing the knife into one person's chest. And then I proceeded to play twelve minutes of that film to break down a ten second clip. Uh huh. <laughs> But yes, I have seen Indiana Jones. It is a great film franchise, and the third one is the best. Oh, so you like uh, Last Crusade? Absolutely. Okay, so for those of you who haven't seen, most of us have all seen Indiana Jones, and those of you who have seen Indiana Jones, and you're smiling about the fact that we're talking about it, you're right. Those movies are just a lot of fun. They're really great. Um, For those of you who don't know, written by George Lucas, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, and this is Steven Spielberg actually at the top of his game as like a visualist and really having a good time uh, with these movies that are, were kind of based on the swashbuckling films that both him and George Lucas liked from their childhood. Uh, bring in Han Solo. And, you know, I was noticing this the other day when I was watching, um, I, bought, I watched both uh, Raiders of Lost Ark and uh, Temple of Doom the other day. And it's uncanny that they were able to bring in Harrison Ford, who is known for uh, Han Solo, and completely change what he's known for as Indiana Jones. Like, I don't watch Indiana Jones and think Han Solo at all. Uh, so it's really kind of awesome that they were able to take this, this guy who was ultimately like everybody's hero and everybody wanted to be him and everybody had action figures for him and completely make him into a completely separate hero that everybody wanted to be and everybody wanted to have action figures for. Um, it's really cool that they did that. And it's very it's very rare to be able to take an actor. It's like when you look at, um, at what's his name, who plays James Bond uh, now. What's his name? My fucking brain. Daniel who plays Craig. the new James Bond? Thank you. Daniel Craig, right? Um, I just saw him in Knives Out. Good movie. Uh, but I'm still looking at him going, James Bond's in Knives Out. <laughs> that being uh, said, you last week you talked about Road to Perdition. I watched Road to Perdition this week, and he's in it, yep. and he is not James Bond in that film. Yep, I forgot that he's in that. Someone brought that up to me this week. I forgot that he's in that, and he's great in that movie. What did you think of the film? I really liked it. It was, uh, you keep sending me films that are, like the pacing of those films is much slower than what I've either a come uh, become accustomed to or b have found that I enjoy more. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe that's just because modern cinema is if there aren't like twelve different set pieces or explosions every two minutes, it's not fast enough. Yeah, I mean that's a big part of modern cinema for sure. You know, but how does that pacing? This is so interesting to me because you are a bit younger than I am. 
How does that pacing register to you? So when you watch one of these old movies, are you, do you just sort of roll your eyes and go like, oh, this is taking forever? Or do you, do you become immersed in it? Maybe it's because I wasn't in like the right mindset at that point because I didn't know what Road to Perdition was going to be. I didn't have the mm -hmm. idea of it. And honestly, as I was sitting there, I, the first 30 minutes, I was like, wow, this is taking a long time to set up. And then it started going and I felt like it never picked up the pace at all. But then I realized, I, I, I stopped and I was like, okay, why am I not feeling like the pace is being picked up? And so I tried to break down the film and the elements of it. And honestly, I, it felt like the music of Road to Perdition didn't match the tone of the film that I was hmm. watching. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. And Fascinating. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just me because I was sitting there on a couch in my living room and I wasn't watching it at the right spot or I just was hungry or thirsty or something and I wasn't into it as much. Um, or I just needed to do a bit of research and realize what the film was about before going in. But it felt like the music, the music reminded me of like the Sandlot or something like a family film. And then I'm watching I'm watching Tom Hanks with a uh, uh, Tommy gun. And I'm like, this, it, it's not, it, there's a, there's a disconnect here between what I'm feeling from the music and what I'm watching on the screen. And I just couldn't connect with it in the way that I was hoping to after talking to you about this stuff. So you couldn't connect with the film at all. So you walked out of it and you weren't, or you uh, stopped watching it and you weren't really into it. Uh, honestly, anytime Daniel Craig was on the screen or um, the, the character that was Daniel Craig's character's dad um, mm -hmm. that I guess Tom Hanks's character works for when they were mm -hmm. on the screen, I was completely into it. Like it, I was, I was zoned in. I was feeling all the emotions that I assumed uh, Sam Mendes was hoping that the audience was feeling, but those heart to heart moments between the kid and Tom Hanks, just, it never felt like, I don't know. It didn't hit as hard as I thought that it was supposed to. And by the way, the old guy that you're talking about is Paul Newman. Oh, is that really <laughs> so, Paul Newman? He, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's he's you know besides besides making really good limeade, he's he's an amazing actor. Look, man, I'm about uh, that limeade though. <laughs> um, that's fascinating. Okay, all right. See, I see it a bit differently uh, because I think. I've seen the movies that it's kind of influenced by, and I've seen sort of those older films that have that slower pacing. And it it's interesting. <sighs> what what movies this, are, is it influenced by? Well, you start going back and you you start looking at uh, Cool Hand Luke, or you start looking at um, the old uh, Sam Peckinpah films. A lot of stuff that I'm going to suggest on the show uh, actually today. Um, you sort of get it. And the music, the music is, when I listen to that kind of music, I feel like it's sort of traditional cinematic. You know what I mean? It's very sort of traditional, a period Hollywood kind of music. Yeah. Um, strangely, I don't think the music was ever really, I don't think it was something that stood out to me as being amazing or really detracted from the piece. I think the most amazing aspects of that movie is the cinematography. I think that movie is just fucking gorgeous. That that I Spec strongly agree with. It is yeah, it is beautiful. Like, like the gunfight scene in the rain is just amazing. Amazing. Um all that stuff is really really gorgeous. So, I'm curious by this stuff uh because 
it is a pacing thing. And this is something that I hear a lot when we're putting together movies and putting together projects is it's always like, you know, uh, the younger generation doesn't have an attention span for these things. Wait, what'd you say? It's such, it says what I hear is that the younger generation doesn't have the attention span uh, for this kind of pacing. Sorry. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. You fucking dick. Uh, which is sort of a derogatory thing to say. I don't, I don't think it's because the modern generation isn't in tune with, with slower pacing. I think it's just, I think it's because of, uh, the consistent, uh, hunt for, for stimulus that we have right now. I think it's that. I think it's any moment of the day where we're sort of feeling bored or if we're standing in line at the bathroom or if we're waiting in the grocery store, instead of looking around and instead of being in the moment, we have the ability to sort of pick up our phone and then dial in some sort of satisfaction, whether it's um, to get likes on Instagram or if it's like in our last episode with Coley where he's sitting there and sketching out a Star Wars spaceship with his fingers. Like it's these devices sort of raise our heartbeats to a certain extent, like increase our beats per minute. And we're, we're sort of consistently filling our time with stuff. And, you know, there could be an argument made that the stuff that we're filling our time with isn't that interesting and dynamic to begin with. Um, I like to think of it as like back in the day when I was a kid, my mom would pick up one of those trash rags at the grocery store line and flip through you know, a bunch of shit to keep herself busy. Um, I feel like the phones kind of do that consistently, but whether or not uh, you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, it has led to what they're uh, considering low attention span, like that overall blanket of like, they don't have low attention span, stuff needs to be fast, stuff needs to be scored quickly, stuff needs to be uh, attention grabbing in order to keep the audience from shifting in their seats and to keep the audience from picking up their phones or pressing pause and going in and finding food and all that sort of stuff. And I've seen it a lot. I mean, I know Gina does it quite often. I, I get annoyed with her when we're watching a movie and then she jumps up and go get stuff. I'm like, fuck, you're breaking the pace. You're breaking the mode. And from a filmmaker's perspective, it's really difficult to see this stuff because we spend so much time trying to build this pace and try to build this mood uh, for it. Um, and then when we're not in a theatrical experience, when you're in your home experience and the viewer has so much control over everything that's happening, it's a lot harder for us to, to lead them into a mode and into a mood for stuff. Um, so I think some of these movies, and I think a bunch of these movies that I'm going to suggest on the show um, today are films that I wouldn't just put on while you're doing something else. I wouldn't uh, just put them on while you're, you know, working on a project. I wouldn't put them on while you're in the middle of a text or something else. So these are films that you should plan for. These are movies that you should say, all right, tonight at 7 o'clock, I'm going to leave my phone in the other room. I'm going to shut off the lights. I'm going to go sit down and go to the movies and literally only pause the film if you got to go take a piss. That's it. Like, just ride them out. Because... There's something about giving yourself into the tone set by a filmmaker, giving yourself into this world and into these these pieces. Um, and does does that interest you, Liam, or do you roll your eyes and go, "Fuck, this sounds like homework"? No, I'm down. 
Uh, and hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes here, but uh, one director in particular, it felt like when I saw Sicario, that mm-hmm. Denis, uh, how does it pronounced? Villeneuve. Uh, yep. It felt like that's exactly what you're saying, is that, look, we're going on a journey. There's no more distractions. And some of these, some of films feel like you can put your phone on during it and it's no problem. But that, that's cinema when you're just totally immersed. And that was awesome. Totally immersed. And Denis, Denis, what he does really well, especially with Sicario, the thing that grabs you by the throat in that film is the score, 100%. Like the score pulls you in, the pacing in the score, the drums in the score, the way the score is mixed into the movie, it's arresting and you can't ignore it. And that's really great. Um, but it's, it's, it's a driving score. It's a modern score. It's designed to do that stuff. A lot of these older films have different types of scores and they're not as grab you by the throat. And there are different experiences uh, when you watch these films. So you, not always do you want to be grabbed by the throat. Not always do you want, uh, you know, like the, you know what I mean? All that kind of shit that has been for the past 10 years on every trailer and every movie score. And it's the reason why most people are like, oh, I got to go fucking see this thing. It's because of this driving music. Um, you go back and you look at some of these other films and it may feel slower to you, but if you allow yourself to get into that mindset, if you allow yourself to get into that space, then something interesting happens in there. But it takes a minute. It takes a little bit. I think the only thing to equate it to is it's it's like picking up a novel and trying to like get through for me at least, it's like picking up a novel and trying to get through like 30 pages before you actually find the rhythm of the book. And then when you find the rhythm of the book and, and you're in, in your mind, you're starting to paint an accurate picture of who these people are and what they look like, um, then you sort of get lost in the book. You know what I mean? But do you feel that way when you read novels? Does it take you a while to get into it? Uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a bit of an extent. I just finished the uh, his Dark Materials series before I drove out here, and uh, I felt that about a third of the way into the first book, uh, I was I was experiencing what you're talking about, where it was like, all right, where do, where does this pick up? And then once the world started opening up, I was like, got it, all right, I'm in, I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so I think with some films, some great films, it's the same thing. I think it's you just sort of trying to find that pacing and you sort of allowing and trusting the filmmaker to pull you into this thing. Um, and, and sometimes that level of trust isn't just attention span. Sometimes we just don't trust certain filmmakers. Like there's been a couple of movies that I've watched recently where I'm like, I know this is going to suck. I know this is going to suck. And I get into it and it sucks and you just get mad. I, I usually get mad at that point. I'm like, fuck, why did I get into this? Cause I knew it was going to fucking suck. Um, so there is a level of trust involved with it. And I think that if you're watching a film that is going to really emotionally stir you, you have to drop all of your preconceived notions. You have to drop all of your defenses and let it do so. Um, and I think that one thing that we don't have that I used to have um, is word of mouth. Oftentimes hearing a good um, suggestion from a friend or a good suggestion from somebody who isn't being paid <laughs> to give you the suggestion to watch a movie really fucking helps. And so I hope uh, as we continue with today's episode, I'll be able to suggest some films to you guys. 
and you too, Liam, because I know you haven't seen some of these. Um, but I'm going to just call, and we'll just roll through this, Liam, and you can decide whether or not we're going to cut it out. But I'm just going to call Brett because I don't know if he's having trouble. Let me give him a call. Oh, hey, I'm here. My girlfriend just came over. Oh, you still want to be on? Yeah, I, I got the computer up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, I'm just... Hearing, I'm hearing you on the phone and my computer. Yeah, just uh, get your microphone working and then jump in. And I think I don't have to stop. I think you could just jump right in. Okay. All right. Okay. There's that. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should. I think it should stay in. Okay. Uh, I've unmuted myself. Are you hearing anything? Yes, there he is. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Brett McCabe. Hello, Brett. Okay. Uh, shoot. <laughs> Before you introduce me, can I change a setting real quick? <laughs> yes, you can uh, change the setting real I, quick. Mike told me to do this earlier, and I did. Okay. Let me hear you now. Hi. What's cool. going on? Now what are you doing? Did you, what did you just put on your your headphones? Yeah, so now you're talking in my headphones, and I got my little headset microphone on. So we get good quality sound. I'm See, sound yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you who haven't listened to the earlier shows with Brett on the show, Brett is also a sound man, so he's uh, being a little particular here. Uh, how do you sound, Brett? Non-union. I, I can't hear myself at all, but I can hear you guys. And as long as you guys are happy with it, that's fine. Yeah, you can always like take one of your headphones off so you can hear yourself in that space, too. Sometimes that happens. Um, so... It, were you listening in on us while uh, while waiting to come on? No, I was breaking quarantine and making out with my girlfriend on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross! Now we're, we're you're talking to us through like like just kiss lips. Now we're li now we're listening to. Uh, are you wearing clothes right now, Brett? I hope you are. Right, pants are on. I mean, whatever you want to imagine, I'm wearing it. <laughs> Well, what we were talking about before you came on the show uh, is that we were talking about um, uh, trying to find some a way to break the algorithms of uh, like Netflix and stuff and try to find great movies um, that wouldn't normally be suggested to us. And I've got a bunch of suggestions. And one thing I know about you is that you love to go to independent cinemas and go watch movies that you haven't seen in the past. So you must be really bummed out right now that you're not able to go out and watch movies. Yeah, I didn't get to watch Vin Diesel's Bloodshot. Uh, <laughs> I was I was genuinely going to see that with a friend because that looked like it was a go get drunk in the movie theater type of movie. Yeah, it uh, does. That it wasn't does. gonna be like a cinematic marvel. <laughs> but, uh, honestly, I haven't been watching any good movies. I mean, I told you earlier off the air, I rewatched Moon. But uh, I haven't watched anything that I can recommend film-wise. Obviously, uh, the big talk of the town is Tiger King, uh -huh. uh, which is amazing. But uh, <laughs> I, th I think Tiger King is overshadowing the 
better shot and produced McMillions HBO docuseries, which I really enjoyed. I haven't about. seen I haven't seen that one yet. That's about the McDonald's uh, monopoly uh, fucking uh, yeah scam. from 1989 to 2001. The monopoly game at McDonald's was rigged, and mm, uh, shut up. The FBI went into it. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, you didn't know that that it was rigged. No, that was my childhood, man. Oh yeah, I did that when the I was Italian a kid too. Mafia. <laughs> was having all their friends in Florida just get all the winning game pieces. Wow. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> and it's great because the lead investigator on this case, it it's such a movie because he was like the young rookie go-getter that was like really excited about this new case because he was so bored with all the other boring white-collar crimes he was supposed to be working on that he got really excited when this came across his desk. And he's great on camera. He just, he has a lot of energy. And one of the things that he does like during this case is he goes undercover, even though he had no training and everybody was like, do not go undercover. You you do not have clearance for this. (laughs) So for one of the winners, uh, they, they, the FBI teams up with McDonald's and goes to the, this, the new winner's house under the guise of being a production company and they interview this winner and like half the crew members are FBI members. Whoa. <laughs> All right. I got to watch this. <laughs> it, and they, it, they really, they do a great job with all the recreations. Uh, my girlfriend's listening to her in the back. Uh, and uh, so they, they, they recreate all the scenes. You don't see anybody's faces, but it's all really well shot. And they, they sync it up with the footage that they shot back in 1999 or whatever. And it's really well edited. It's just really well done. And honestly, I think it's just a better show than Tiger King. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I believe that. I mean, honestly, HBO just seems to have higher quality content, period. I feel like they sort of spend a little bit more time sort of curating and the, the quality oh. of it that goes into it. Um, and of course, everybody's talking about Tiger King. And Tiger King is just one of those, it's one of those originals, those Netflix originals. And I feel like when, of course, when Netflix makes their original content, that's the first thing that they're going to sell and push out there. But uh, what I was saying to Liam prior to this is I feel like once Netflix became sort of the leader in the industry, they're not really releasing their numbers. They're not really releasing their budgets for stuff um, and they sort of have taken over everything. I I feel like a lot of the other studios are now deciding that they want to either set up their own streaming services or they don't want to fuel the beast that is their competition. So they've been pulling licensing for all these old movies that used to be Netflix films. And so if you try to dig through uh, what Netflix has available, uh, they have a really shitty selection of old movies at this point. I think, but primarily because they can't get the licensing to them. Um, and the only way to sort of break that algorithm is you got to go online and there's a bunch of different websites that'll list what is actually on Netflix. Like you can go through alphabetically everything that is on Netflix. So that list really isn't affected by an algorithm and you can kind of hunt through it. And there was like 40 pages, a hundred, hundred titles per page that I was trying to get through in about a half hour before we get on the show. I was doing some research 
and I, I was going page after page going, this is dog shit, dog shit, dog shit, dog shit. There's a lot of crap that's just on the Netflix stuff. Um, and uh, I think everybody's going to sort of get through their content pretty quickly because you can binge that. I think Gina binged Tiger King in like two days and then that thing was gone. So we're, yeah. we're, we're in lockdown for quite a few months right now. And for those of you who don't know, the, the production world is shut the fuck down. Like I was just talking yep. to, I was talking to Cruda the other day and he was talking to a cinematographer that does stuff for HBO. And uh, they're talking now about not starting productions in the industry until July, potentially August. So um, a lot of this content is going to start drying up because everybody's sort of watching and binging and going through stuff. And so what I wanted to do on the show is just sort of go back and talk about some classics. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll get you both of your guys' feedback because it's two different generations, two different, actually three different generations. So it'll be cool to see what you think about it and uh, what Liam thinks about it. And let's start, let me start by going through the Netflix list. So let me just put it this way. I hunted through Netflix for about 45 minutes made it about 45% of the way through their their list of movies. And I literally have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies. <laughs> so only seven movies that I thought that it were good enough for me to mention on the show. <laughs> so Netflix's entire library, Mike Pesci only approves of, what, seven movies? That we Se seven, seven, movie <laughs> seven, seven movies that I thought were worth saying on the fucking show. Let's put it that way. And that seventh one just snuck in there. Yeah, there's a couple that are there are a couple that are like of courses. Um, <laughs> so let me start. Let me start. Let me see. Where do I start here? Let's start with uh, something fun. And I assume that a lot of the um, listeners from my generation have seen this. I wonder if you've seen this movie, Brett. But there's a classic movie that was filmed in 1984. It is a drama, a musical, and maybe even a bit of a comedy. Uh, and it stars the one and only Prince, and it is Purple Rain. I uh, saw it with you in a rented-out theater in Somerville, Massachusetts. That's right. That's right. Uh, this is probably eight years ago. That's right. This is a movie. Back when I used to live in Boston, we would do once a month. We would rent out a small cinema, and we would invite all our friends and all of our coworkers and everybody to come in and watch these movies that we loved. Uh, growing up and we would just do private screenings of these films and one of the nights was the screening of Purple Rain. Have you ever seen Purple Rain, Liam? No. And I'm starting have a tally. Heard, have you heard? Have you heard the Purple Rain album? Yes. And this, Absolutely. Okay, okay, so this is this is the movie that all that music was written for. It is a wonderfully trashy film uh, about Prince in a band. It's <laughs> it's 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 trashy. It's super fucking trashy. It's so super dumb. fucking strange. It's so so weird, so dumb. But the cinematography is really great in it, um, and it's a lot of fucking fun. And if you like Prince, if you listen to like uh, Purple Rain, that track, or any of those other tracks, I will die for you. All that stuff. This is the movie that that they're creating that music for. Um, it is on Netflix. I don't even know who directed it. Who directed it? Albert. Magnoli? What else did this guy do? Oh, weird. He did some weird movies. He did a movie called Street Night, 
which looks super fucking trashy, Dark Planet. Uh, and he did a bunch of Prince's music videos. Okay, so. That makes perfect uh, sense. Yeah, it totally does. Uh, I would say this is a gem. It is definitely, like, if you guys are doing uh, any sort of uh, online drinking parties with people, this is a movie yeah. that you can this is a movie that you can have playing in the background with a bunch of your friends. Uh, if you're doing like a house party like that, have you been using that house party app at all, Brett? I just downloaded it. I haven't really chatted with anybody else yet. I've mostly been using zoom and Skype, but all the cool kids are on house party. So I'm going to give it a whirl soon. I know Jane is on house party. She has a house party every 15 fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is a great movie for that. This is a fantastic movie for that. Genius yeah, I would definitely right not recommend watching Purple Rain by yourself in your quarantine. <laughs> no. Do you you like? Did you like Purple Rain? Did you see Purple Rain with Prince? Was it okay? Me or Liam? I think no, I was talking to Gina. 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 I was going to say with Gina. It's like she probably came you, with us in Somerville. You don't remember it? I remember one scene, but it's like, was, I'm sure was she Purple? remembers the Tony poster that she shot <laughs> that's right she did shoot a poster one of the things that we used to do for the screening series is we would do custom posters and we'd have artists do custom posters and gina shot a picture of my buddy tony's crotch <laughs> i'll have to find that image in for a this purple episode. thong in a purple thong yeah for this uh it's a great drinking movie all right so let me just get yeah. to the point purple rain 1984 really good music really good drinking movie really fun movie to hang out with friends with and sort of ask yourself how how Prince exists as a character in this movie. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fucking fun. Um, Purple Rain. All right, let's see. What else do I have pulled here? Uh, let's get a little serious for a second here. I don't know if you guys have, either of you guys have seen this one. There's a movie called Enemy, which was shot in 2013. It was directed by Den Denis Veneuve. So as we all know, oh yes, did, I have seen it with uh, Wolverine there, right? Uh, with Jake? No, no, no. The one that you're thinking about is uh, is uh, Prisoners. Prisoners. Okay. Prisoners was the one that came out right before this, which had Hugh Jackman in it, and also had Jake Gyllenhaal. This one stars Jake Gyllenhaal playing multiple roles, and it's fucking awesome. I if mean, you I are Villeneuve, so I'm gonna add this to my queue. Dude, Enemy. Enemy is amazing. And if you guys are a fan of Arrival, if you're a fan of Prisoners, uh, uh, if you're a fan of his one of his first films, Polytechnique, this fits right in that category. It's a fantastic watch. It's a slower-paced movie, um, but I think it's still fascinating enough. and It'll keep you captivated. I'd be curious. You should watch this one, Liam. I'll be curious to see what you think about this. Oh, yeah. No, I'm uh, definitely excited about that one. By the way, have not seen it. We're 0 for 2. Let's keep the streak going. <laughs> good, good, good. And just so for those of you that, you know, are influenced by ratings, this has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Nice. So it's, uh, it's a good thing. I don't know. It's a good it's thing. Good. I would say by a period. I, would say. I look at ratings like I'm getting a grade on my paper and I see it as 69% and I'm like, oh boy, nice. mom's going to be mad. No, it's 6.9 out of 10. So it's almost 7 out of 10. It's like right at the verge of 7 out of 10. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not failing. <laughs> D plus. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of good D plus movies out there. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to watch it. I'll, I'll probably like it. 
<laughs> so definitely, definitely watch that one. All right, let me move. Let me move on. Let's see if you guys have seen this one. Another good film, and these are just on Netflix. Everybody, these are on Netflix. Another good film to watch is a, is a movie that was shot in 2016. It's called Blood Father, and it stars. It stars. It, it's pretty much the return of Mel Gibson. So, Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson came back in a movie called Get the Gringo, which was pretty good. That movie's kind of fun. It's kind of trashy, kind of fun. But this one uh, is called Bloodfather, and he essentially plays. He looks like he's an older Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon. So he he's like he's he he feels like he's a retired cop. He's uh, he likes to ride around on his motorcycle. He's like a, a Harley dude who tattoos out of his trailer. And it turns out his daughter was mixed up without giving away too much of the movie. Her daughter, his daughter gets mixed up with the wrong people um, and he has to protect her. And he's like this ex-con who has a temper. So it really works uh, with his, <laughs> his sort of social reputation that he had prior to this. Um, but it's really great. It's actually a really fun fucking movie. And it just reminds you what a great actor Mel Gibson is. And uh, watching him on screen is incredibly fucking captivating. Uh, and the info that I've heard uh, on the making of this film, it was a young filmmaker that was able to get him because Mel Gibson was in the doghouse. So he's able to get him to make this movie. And apparently uh, he said that Mel was the best dude to work with, period, on sets. So uh, if you guys can get past... Uh, the personal uh, stories from Mel Gibson and get back into Mel Gibson as an actor. Um, Bloodfather is definitely a, a great fucking watch for that. Right. Yeah. And uh, this one has, <laughs> I don't know why I'm going to give the ratings on these. Uh, this, this one has a, six, it up. <laughs> yeah. th this one has a 6.4 out of 10, uh, but it's, it's, so it's, a, it's a fun. It's a D movie. it's not a D plus. It's a D. It's just stop. Stop. D degree, I, as my father always said, and regretted it. The only reason I'm giving the ratings for these is so that when you watch them and you think they're fucking great, then you'll come back and realize what, what a bunch of shit these fucking ratings are. This does have William yeah. H. And Macy I'm, in it, so I'm excited. Yeah, he's in it, man. It's really good. I good. love William H. Macy. I was actually just re-watching Magnolia the other night. Oh, that Three movie's hours. intense. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like... Three three hour fucking heartburn is what that movie is. Whew. Um, I also have to point out in um, Bloodfather is Diego Luna, and Diego Luna is fucking amazing. I think he's a fantastic actor. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's on the new season of uh, Narcos. He's the lead in the new season of Narcos Mexico. Uh, and for those nerds that are listening, he was in um, Rogue One, and he was awesome so in that. Holy crap! Yeah. He's a fucking great actor. He's also in this movie. He's really fantastic in this movie. So uh, joking aside, check out Bloodfather. It's on Netflix. Uh, okay, let's see. Moving through. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, Mel Gibson, if you guys want to get real deep into a Mel Gibson love fest, all of the Lethal Weapon movies are up there on, on uh, Netflix. They're licensing them all. Believe it or not, the only ones worth watching really is the first one. And I actually like the fourth one with Jet Li. Jet Li's fucking really great in the fourth one. Uh, you've seen all those, right, Brett? I've seen the first one. Oh, that's it? That's it. There's a lot of good stuff in the second should, one. The second one gets a little dark. Up. 
Yeah, if you want to see some really bad rear projection car chase sequences and a lot of screaming and punching of, of vehicles, then yeah, you should watch the second one. The second one is just like all right, all right. Pure... I'll put them on my home projector. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's if you can get past the Eric Clapton like fucking guitar licks and saxophone transitions, then they're really good movies. Probably not, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they're great. I mean, the first one is such a great fucking film, and the first one is one is a Christmas movie in my mind because it does take place in the Christmas season, and I love the whole uh, Mel Gibson uh, having the shootout in the Christmas tree lot. I think that stuff's a lot of fun. So, um, if you're into the Lethal Weapon stuff, good news. It's all on Netflix. Good news they licensed that, as well as licensing the Indiana Jones stuff. I think that's where they were sort of dumping their loot into these franchises. And so uh, they constantly show up in my algorithm because they're like, hey, you're over 40. You'll love this. Um, <laughs> but they are good movies. Uh, all right. So there's another great one that is on Netflix that is a deep dive. I'm surprised to actually find it on Netflix because it hasn't shown up on any of my algorithms. Um, is uh, a movie that was shot in 1971. Uh, it's an action thriller. Uh, produced and directed by Don Siegel. Don Siegel is an amazing director. Uh, and it is Dirty Harry. So the original Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood. Have you ever seen those movies, Liam? Nope. We are now 0 All for right. 4. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Have you seen the Dirty Harry movies? I have not seen any of those movies either. And I feel like all the film nerds that listen to this podcast are just screaming at their speakers when they listen to me and Liam. They're like, nope, haven't seen this classic. <laughs> yeah, nah. Uh-uh. Dude, but you guys are the perfect guys to be talking to about this stuff because you guys are the guys that, that need to hear about this stuff because you haven't seen these. And here's what's great. Because if you just turned on Dirty Harry without any sort of setup for this thing, you'd probably go, oh, cool, this is an old movie, an old action movie. Um. The thing that's really interesting about this film is that it's shot in San Francisco during a time period where San Francisco was essentially like the West Coast New York. I, fe I feel like there were two different types of cinema in the 70s. There was like the Martin Scorsese shooting in like super dangerous New York City with prostitutes and hookers and all that crazy stuff that was happening. Because uh, New York City in the 70s was, was fucking super dangerous to be in. Um, and so then you had films like Taxi Driver, you had films like Death Wish, you had all those films that were East Coast. Uh, on the West Coast, I feel like a lot of the Hollywood folks wanted their own version of a New York City, and so they went north and went to San Francisco. So there you had like Dirty Harry, you had Bullet with Steve McQueen, um, you had a bunch of really cool crime movies that were set in San Francisco. So the atmosphere for these films is what really sort of brings me in. I think that sort of crime world that they were building for San Francisco was really cool. And I think San Francisco as a city is a beautiful city to shoot, especially in that time period. Um, and this was sort of uh, Clint Eastwood making that jump from Westerns because he was known for all his Western work for years uh, and jumping into uh, modern day, at that time, modern day crime films. Uh, which, you know, he was sort of a no bullshit. I would even say, I, I wonder if he was even a racist cop. I think he was probably a racist cop, but he was like a no bullshit cop that uh, pulled out his gun and that infamous, you know, 
you know, do you feel lucky? That's all in this movie. Um, so it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that happens in it. It's definitely a slow burn. And if you're watching this film, watch this and see how it's in, literally affected all these other crime movies that have come out since. This movie is one of those influencers. Um, so, And there's a whole series of these. There's like, I want to say there's like five of them, six of them. Huh. But uh, I would definitely check it out. So put, I know put it on your list. Yeah, put it on your list. They're oh, really the great. Some of them are really... The no. No. I would say, I'm, I'm trying to look as we're talking here. The first one's really great. The second one's really cool. I think, I can't remember if the first one was with, about the sniper that was uh, had the city uh, locked down in fear or the second one. I think the second one was about the sniper. Um, really cool stuff. Really fun movies. Did you ever see Bullet? Have you seen Bullet? Either Are you either? asking Gina? No, no, no. Either <laughs> of them. No, no, I have not seen Bullet. No? Oh my God. You haven't seen Bullet either, Brett? Not. Does this make it 0 for 5? Oh. Are we counting Bullet as well? Or is Bullet not one of the suggestions? Oh, my God. Bullet wasn't one of the suggestions because I figured like that was a, a movie that everybody's seen. Okay, good. Uh, okay. Starring Tupac Shakur? No. Okay, so <laughs> so we'll use Bullet as a jump. Uh, well, actually, we'll come back to Bullet because I have only two more movies left on Netflix, and that's it. So I've only got two more, two more suggestions. And uh, I'm spreading it thin here. So we'll use Bullet as a transition after this. Um, another movie that uh, is on Netflix right now that's actually really great. I've been enjoying it because I've been studying a lot of Spielberg's work because I'm prepping a new movie right now. And so I'm, I'm studying blocking and motion and blocking with characters. Uh, and Spielberg is the master at it. Um, this was the first time that Spielberg has ever done a sci-fi piece. And uh, just the way it looks, the world is really gritty. And he did this sort of this bleach bypass thing with it it was a movie shot in 2002 starring uh, none other than the man that likes to uh, do everything by himself the man that likes to make running up the stairs look like it it's the hardest thing to do uh, mr tom mr tom cruise uh and the movie's called Minor minority report have you ever seen minority report i borrowed the dvd from you so yes that's right and and uh, Liam, have you seen it? Look, man, I'm here for the streaks. <laughs> well, this has a seven point six out of ten, so this is probably this is probably higher on your list. Um, what did you think of it when you when you rented it? What did you think of it, Brett? When I rented it from you, uh, mm -hmm. I'm just not a Spielberg guy. Uh, I'm bored by Tom Cruise. I think the only role of his I've ever enjoyed was in Magnolia when he was that pickup artist psychopath. Yeah, he's good in that. Uh, he's good. In that. Okay, so I look. Mean, <laughs> I didn't love it. So, so he doesn't like it. That's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's totally fine. But let me continue to sell it to the audience here. <laughs> I'm about to get disconnected. One of, one of us hasn't seen it. One of us doesn't like it, but trust me, it's good. It's a fun, <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's got uh, Max von Sydow in it as the bad guy. He's really great. Um, Colin Farrell's also in it. Uh, you know, Colin Farrell sometimes is good. Um, Tom Cruise is in it. But the thing that I like about this film in general is for the cinematography and is for the blocking. So if you're a cinematographer watching this show, 
or if you're a director watching, uh, listening to the show, um, regardless of whether or not it's a, a good story, I think the movie's really, it does a really good job at blocking in camera movement. And so I think selfishly, that's one of the reasons why I really like this movie, Brett. I could see. I'll agree maybe, that it is a potentially interesting film. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why maybe you would find it boring. Uh, and if you don't like Spielberg, then you definitely won't like that movie. For sure. For sure. Um, so, all right. Well, good. That's, that's good that, uh, that you didn't like that one. <laughs> like I told you, I found seven films worthwhile and we're at the bottom of the list. Okay. And another one, the next one at the bottom of the list, which I don't think is a good movie. This one's not a good movie, but it's a, it's a fun watch for why it's not a good movie. It's a movie that was made in 2010. It's a remake. Uh, it's the Nightmare on Elm Street remake that came out in 2010. Have you guys seen this one? Oh, man. We got a winner. <laughs> so you've seen it. I saw it in theaters. We seen it. <laughs> oh. Oh, did you like this movie before I Hell yeah, it? my boy Rorschach was uh, playing Freddy. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was an interesting... I think that was the most interesting portion or the most interesting uh, draw for me to go see this movie was that, uh, what's his name? Jackie Haley, who played Rorschach in um, Watchmen, actually got recast as Freddy Krueger. And I thought that was interesting. Um, and the cast is... Okay, like Rooney Mara was in it before she was anybody. A bunch of young folks were in it. And it was directed by a guy named Samuel Bayer who came out of the music video world. So if you look at, let me read his IMDb. Having photographed and directed hundreds of music videos and commercials over the past 15 years, Samuel Bayer has firmly established himself as one of the industry's most prolific yeah, and sought after talents. Yeah, so he's one of those guys that made the jump uh, from being a music video to a feature film guy. And uh, sort of in the way that Fincher did that, um, in the way that like David Slade did that, a lot of these other directors made that jump. Um, unfortunately, this film really didn't have that much substance to it or texture to it. It is a pretty looking movie. And by pretty, I mean it's on the verge of being like a Michael Bay sort of lens flary anamorphic type of film. Um, but the movie really kind of falls apart, but it's just got like that pretty plastic substance when you watch it. So it's, it's the bottom of my fucking list. And I would suggest you being a comic book nerd, Brett, I would suggest this movie the same way I would suggest some of the old image titles from the nineties for comic books because the panels are really pretty. So like, I'd be like, Hey, go back and read some of the old, what's a good reference here. Uh, like cyber force books. You know what I mean? Like go back and read these books that have absolutely zero story con like story content, but the images look good. Um, and I, I, that's what this movie would be. Hey, go to 5.2 and IMDB. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so we are at the bottom of my list. This is what I was fucking saying. I was literally going through everything that Netflix has to offer and I'm trying to find stuff that isn't a Netflix original, that isn't stuff that's being shoved down our throat on the algorithms. It's really fucking hard to do. So it's really fucking hard to do that on their delivery service right now. 
And at this point, when I was doing the search, I got kind of frustrated and I was like, well, what's on Amazon? So I went over, I did the search on their thing. And the thing that Amazon has over Netflix is that you can still rent things. So they don't necessarily have to be licensing a ton of movies. You can actually just rent them, um, which I think uh, breaks that licensing thing because you're actually paying the studio or paying whoever owns the licensing to actually rent it. And Netflix is just delivering it to you. Uh, not Netflix, but Amazon. Uh, so there's a lot more stuff that you can actually check on it there. I will say a little trick you can do is if you want to watch any movie you can think of, just type in the word watch into Google <laughs> and then put the movie name in and it will show you all the different venues where you can rent or stream that movie that you want to see. It'll even Ooh. give you the prices to rent or buy. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome, dude. I did not know that. It's been very convenient when I want to watch a specific movie and I don't know where to find it. Um. That's awesome, actually. Uh, I'm, what am I on right now? I'm on this stupid website called Real Good uh, that has a bunch of these things listed. So let's talk about, let's go back and talk about Bullet. So Bullet is a film. Bullet is, without Bullet, we wouldn't have any of the Fast and Furious movies. Without Bullet, you wouldn't have most of the action films out of the, uh, the 90s and the 80s. Uh, the thing with Bullet, Bullet was filmed... Uh, 1972 was when it came out, and it features the man, uh, Steve McQueen. Have you ever seen any Steve McQueen movies, Liam? That I have. I've seen The Great Escape. The Great Escape is a great fucking movie. By the way, apparently our landscapers have decided to break quarantine today. So <laughs> if you guys hear, for some fucking reason, if you hear blowers and shit, it's because they're out there breaking quarantine. Um. There he is, a fucking dickhead. Um, of course, the one day I'm doing a podcast. So Steve McQueen has been in so many great movies, and Steve McQueen has been such an influence on most modern-day actors. So like, if you look at um, uh, George Clooney, George Clooney's trying to be Steve McQueen. Uh, Brad Pitt in his later years, trying to be Steve McQueen. Um, Ryan Gosling, trying to be Steve McQueen. All these guys that are the quiet, silent types on screen, they literally are acting like Steve McQueen. And Steve McQueen uh, started on television. He started doing westerns in television um, and really made his way into crime movies. And he's such an interesting person in real life. He never really considered himself an actor's actor. I know that he not only was an actor, but he also was a firefighter in his real life. He was a race car driver in his real life. Like this dude in, in, in real life was a badass. Um, and if you watch him on screen, he's such an arresting personality. Um, and Bullet, in Bullet, he plays a San Francisco cop and he drives in the infamous uh, Mustang. I, I forget what year that Mustang was. I don't know if it's a 69 or 70 Mustang. Uh, he drives in this amazing green Mustang that has influenced the car world since. Like anybody that's a car collector wants that fucking Bullet Mustang. Um, and he did a car chase scene through the streets, through the hills of New of uh, San Francisco. Uh, and he drove. So he drove the car and he did the whole car chase as the actual stunt driver himself. Uh, it's a fucking badass movie. It's a badass movie. The bad guys are really great in that movie. It's another movie that has slow pacing. Um, but if you allow yourself 
to become immersed in that slow pacing and understand that this is where it all started was in Bullet, then watch that. I think you guys will really dig that movie. Um, no, it took me a second to find it. It's spelled with an I and not an E. Yes, it's B U L L I T. It's the 1996 Tupac movie. <laughs> no, that's not the movie. What's that? Also, it's not on Netflix. That is not on Netflix. Okay. No, that one is. Well, I thought it was listed on Netflix, but it's not on Netflix right now. I think you can order that one on Amazon, I think. Uh, But that wasn't the movie that I was going to suggest because I thought that maybe having some sort of connection to cinema, you guys had seen that movie, but apparently not. Uh, (laughs) Us young whippersnappers? Nope. Oh, my God. So the one I was (laughs) going to... I saw Nightmare. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Nightmare was the one that... Nightmare was... Nightmare was like the like you, you're going to the grocery store for produce and there's just one rotted apple left. That was Nightmare. And you're like, I, I need produce, so I'm just going to buy this and I'll cut off the, the side that is rotten and still eat it. That was what that Nightmare on Elm Street selection was. And the guy so, standing next to you going, you too? Nice. <laughs> yeah, <that's> so congra- <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> He's got a rotten apple in his hand too. Yep. Uh, so the Steve McQueen movie that I was going to suggest is a movie called The Getaway. Now, The Getaway, um, I don't think you can get this one on Amazon. The Getaway is on the Criterion channel, which is actually a really good streaming service. Um, you can actually subscribe that. So you guys have a Roku if you have, I think they have it on the Apple streaming service as well. You can actually subscribe to Criterion, which I, I highly suggest you do because there's a bunch of really fucking great movies on Criterion. Um, in this movie, uh, The Getaway... Is directed by one of my favorite directors of all time, Sam Peckinpah. Now, Sam Peckinpah is Quentin Tarantino before Quentin Tarantino was born. Like, Sam Peckinpah is the fucking man. Uh, his action movies are amazing. His crime movies are really fantastic. Uh, and he was known at the time for doing really bloody and brutal action sequences and utilizing slow motion to really sort of stretch those things out. And this movie was shot in 1972. Uh, stars Steve McQueen and Ali Ali McGraw. And uh, they're basically bank robbers. And there's a bunch of really cool uh, shootout sequences. um, A bunch of really fucking great characters in this movie. It is highly suggested. Um, It's one of my favorite films. It's probably on my top top 30 list. Um, It looks like The Getaway is streaming on Hulu for free. Nice, nice. Uh, I know it's also on the Criterion channel as well. Cool. That's cool, man. While you're out there blowing those leaves and getting COVID and ruining my fucking show. Um, <clears throat> so I don't, I don't de- hear it to your credit. Okay, good. Definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. Um, I think you guys will really become fans of Steve McQueen. And you really have to be in the right mood. This isn't the type of movie, like I said, you're playing a video game in the background, you turn this on or you're in the middle of a fucking text conversation with somebody, you just have to sit down and watch this. Like, get yourself a beer, you know, and sit down and, and turn up the sound really loud and get into this type of movie. The Getaway's fucking awesome. Um, oh, let me take a break here. Is there any movies off the top of your head that you would suggest people go watch, Brad? Is there a movie that you've liked recently? 
Well, I opened up my Netflix and I checked out my Watch It Again so I can see what movies are in my history. And I'm realizing, uh, I mean, I do have a theme. I do love a film where a lonely man falls in love and fucks a computer. And so <laughs> on Netflix right now is Her and Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Little fun sci-fi films. <laughs> A little fun, like horny sci-fi movies. Those are good. Those are good ones. Yeah, like horny sci-fi. <laughs> uh, oh. what? You must have loved uh, the ones from the 80s, uh, Weird Science and, um, oh, you ever see Mannequin? It's uh, dead Silence. Dead Silence. Wait, no. I think I did. That's a newer one, right? No. Is that, hold on, I'm looking up right now. Nope, I'm keeping the streak alive. I have not seen Mannequin. Let's go. I would not. I would not expect you to have seen this movie, Liam. This is a this is a deep dive. Okay, Mannequin, 1987. Uh, young artist searching for his vocation makes a mannequin so perfect that he falls in love with it. Finding the mannequin in a store. Finding the mannequin in a store window. He gets a job, and his creation comes to life. So he sees a mannequin in the store window, and it comes alive, and he has sex with it. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> this is like one of those like really hor- like trashy comedies from the eighties that were made for like horny teenagers. Uh, that poster is, is amazing. It's, it's right up your fucking alley, Brett. <laughs> it, it, it's what <laughs> I would love to say that it was the influence behind her, but I doubt it was. Uh, but, I mean, when uh, you said mannequin, I thought you were talking about maniac. No, Wood, which I did see and enjoy. Uh, have you seen did that you, one? Which one was the maniac one? With no, I don't think I've seen that maniac, one. I just, it's, it's a it's a film shot in first person, uh, and you're following around Elijah Wood's crazy character, who just collects all these different mannequins. Uh, <laughs> So you're, I mean, even though Elijah, you're seeing the world through the eyes of Elijah Wood. I mean, he does look in the mirror a bunch, so you know who <laughs> who you're starring as in this film. <laughs> I've never seen it. Was it? But is it a, recent? It's a fun, interesting. It came out 2013, uh, 2012, or yeah, 2013. I'm seeing 2013 on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 53 percent, whereas Mannequin has a 22 percent. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know who plays the mannequin is uh, Kim Cattrall. For those of you who watch Sex of the City, which Gina has been for the past three weeks, she was the the <laughs> older one in Sex in the City. But for those of you who like old John Carpenter movies, uh, she was also in Big Trouble in Little China, uh, and so she was the hot ticket back then, and she played the mannequin in Mannequin. So. Go fuck yourself for that 27%. (laughs) I mean, she can go around and be like, oh, I'm in this new movie called Mannequin. Oh, who do you play? Uh, The titular character. (laughs) (laughs) Quotes, the titular character. Yes, yes, she does. Uh, I think you'll like that one, Brett. You should go back. Go back in time. See if you can find that one. uh, It's a different type of film to get a boner to. I think that would be a good one. <laughs>
all right, all right, all right. So what else? What else is on your list? Is there anything else on your list? Well, we got Okja. Uh, I'm gonna get his name wrong. Bunjo. Uh, mm-hmm. It's oh man, it's Parasite director. Boon Jung Ho. Yeah. Yep. He's great. Bong Joon Ho. Sorry. And Bong so Joon-ho. I'm trying to Bong go. Joon-ho. I'm trying to go back and check out his other stuff because I saw Snowpiercer in theaters and I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it enough to like pursue his other work. But Okja came out after, and it's it's a Netflix original, but it's fucking fantastic. It's it's like a it's like a family film that has curse words in it. Uh huh. This uh, young girl raises this uh, genetically engineered giant pig, which eventually is going to be slaughtered and sold as meat. And so these giant pigs are just created to be eaten. Uh, But it's, it's a great cast. Oh man. This is why I need to get better at pitching. I can't remember. (laughs) Dude, it it is. I want to be a, Screenwriter, and I'm just like, it's a really good movie. It's a good story. You should check it out. <laughs> it's got everything. It's got really big pigs. It's got it's curse gr- words. It's a family. It's film. a. Gr- it's a great movie. It it's has good. Jake Gyllenhaal in one of my favorite roles because he plays this completely different character that, than you've ever seen him play. Uh, he's this batshit lunatic, like uh, nature. TV show host, which, <laughs> and it sort of reminds me of the version of himself that he played on John Mulaney's new special where he's just oh. out of his goddamn mind. And he's like, he's using a different voice and everything. He's not cool, hunky Jake Gyllenhaal. He's high pitched little bitch ass piece of shit. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> But what's, what's fun about the movie is half of it's in Korean, half of it is in English because you have your American cast and you have your Korean cast. And so it, it brings together these worlds and there is that uh, dark humor that I'm coming to expect from a... Uh, have, you s- <laughs> have, you seen, uh, have you seen The Host? That is next on my list. Dude, the host, the host I think is his best. The host is really fucking good. Um, it's really fucking good. And for those of you who haven't seen it, definitely go back and watch it. Um, it's a cool little monster movie. Um, he, he has this running theme with families in all his films and families that have very strange senses of humor um, and how they process violence and how they process a tragedy with humor. And the host is fucking perfect. That movie's really good, dude. I think that was his first big hit. Was the host? Um, now, was that like a kaiju movie? Is that kind of monster? Kinda, sorta. Kinda, sorta. Kinda. It's like a big creature that uh, that sort of uh, terrorizes this group of people, and uh, it's with his sense of humor. And the creature effects might be a little bit dated, right? When they first came out, it was pretty awesome, but they might be a little bit dated because it's mostly CG. Um, this was 2006, uh, but it's fucking fantastic. The movie's really great and it's great for the family. I'm actually, I'm going to watch that again. I'm putting that on my list. I'm going to watch that again this week. 
because uh, it's relevant to what I'm working on. Uh, I think that's a really fucking good movie. And uh, his other movie that you were talking about, they shot that in Boston. I was actually really fortunate to get my hands on their production Bible because it was in one of the studios that I was shooting in. And uh, I wasn't supposed to get my hands on it, but one of the guys that were working at the studio showed it to me. And I actually got to flip through his production Bible and see like his shot lists and stuff. This Like he's he's like a Hitchcock. He's a modern day fucking Hitchcock, that dude. Uh, no, Bong Joon-ho was shooting something in Boston? He shot that movie, that, uh, the one about the pig. Ocha? Yeah. Yep. Holy yeah. shit. Yep. He was shooting that in town. when I, I was at uh, one of the studios that we always shoot at there. I'm not going to drop names, but I was like, one of the studios we shoot at, and one of my buddies who was working at the studio was like, hey, you want to see the production book? And I was like, yes. And I think it was like, it was actually like a bound book. Like it was actually printed out with like a hardcover and everything. And it was all the production notes and all of the uh, uh, shot lists and everything for the crew. So it was really fucking cool. Um, he's amazing. I think he's a great director. And I think it's great that he won the uh, Academy Awards this year, but I th- I thought that Host was a better movie. So watch Host and see what you think. I'm definitely that's at the top of my to watch list. Yeah, that's really good, man. It's really good. Um, before I get back into my list, what are we at? One twenty-five. Okay, so we're running a little long for this episode, but fuck it, I think it's cool. Um, Liam, did you? What do you? What have you watched recently besides your tutorials on uh, YouTube? Uh, <laughs> what, what what movies what movies have you watched recently look uh nothing um <laughs> pretty much nothing i've watched a lot of news and a lot of tutorials and oh my God, uh life is so life is so depressing liam you got to get through some of this list that we're giving you i know and one of the things i was excited about was i saw an article was talking about how four bong joon ho uh films were added to hulu including Parasite, Mother, Barking Dogs Never Bite, and The Host. But you guys just segued right into that one. I was like, cool. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, watch The Host. I think you guys would dig it. Um, all right, well, let me get back into my list then. Okay. <laughs> fuck you then. I'm let's keep right the streak, baby. Yeah, let's go right in. Okay, so let's dig here. I'm digging around. Let's see, where's this one? This one you could find on Amazon Prime. This is on a, a bunch of different uh, streaming services. It's a movie that was made in 1991. Uh, I would not say that it is the most accurate portrayal of a musician, but I would say it's probably one of the more fun portrayals of a musician. Uh, it features uh, crazy man Val Kilmer, who many of you will remember from the 80s and some of the 90s and some of his infamous stories about uh, doing terrible things to his hotel rooms. Um, <laughs> Have we uh, told that story? or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have. I've Googled it and I can't find anything about it. Really? You can't find anything online about it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget who I heard that story from. Were, were I, talk- I know who I heard it from. I don't I don't know what we're allowed to say publicly. <laughs> Let's just say that uh, he did some pretty interesting. Uh, he liked to finger paint. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> say that he liked to finger paint in his hotel room. Yeah, um, I can't remember where I heard that story from, but it was from somebody that worked in the business. Anyway, uh, features Val Kilmer and everybody's sweetheart, Meg Ryan. Right, Meg Ryan, where'd she go? Everybody wanted to uh, have her as a girlfriend for quite some time. Uh, it's a movie directed by the crazy man with a gap tooth, 
uh, Oliver Stone. It's a little film called The Doors. Have you seen The Doors? Yes. <laughs> Liam, have you have you seen The Doors? Take a fucking guess. Oh my god, fuck Liam. Fuck. Fuck. I think that might might actually be my favorite Oliver Stone movie. It's a great uh, Oliver Stone movie, yeah. What do you think about it? It's it's a fun one cuz I like that they don't just like make everybody look great like in all these fucking biopics, especially the ones that have been coming out recently. Yeah, it's it's a very trippy cuz you know, Oliver Stone was known for like you know, tripping on mushrooms and coming out of the seventies and, and being sort of a fucking crazy man. And it was at the peak of when he was making movies was when he was doing this. And I think he had a lot of fun making the doors and the doors is this really fun biopic, obviously on Jim Morrison and all the guys from the doors. And for those of you who don't know who the doors are, uh, you should probably just stop listening to this podcast and, uh, stop Stop talking to people. Uh, they've been around for years. I mean, every time I get drunk, I yell, who wants to see it because of this movie? <laughs> the movie's a lot of fun. The movie's a lot of fun. It's kind of trippy. It's it's uh, loaded with symbolism. Heavy-handed, <laughs> heavy-handed symbolism is loaded in this movie. Uh, it's shot really cool. I can't remember who's the actual cinematographer on it. I'll have to look that up. Um but it's a great fucking film. And Val Kimmer does a pretty goddamn good job playing uh, Jim Morrison. Um, and like I said, Meg Ryan's in it. I had such a fucking crush on Meg Ryan uh, when I was a kid. Um, so uh, Robert Richardson DP'd it. Oh, yes. So Mr. Robert Richardson. Richardson who Tarantino all the time. Yep. So anything that Tarantino's done, Robert Richardson's done, and this has a lot of a lot of his uh, traits in it, which are like the overhead, really strong, sharp lights that are bounced off a table for a key source. He does very specific techniques that he still does today. Um, it's a fun fucking movie. Uh, definitely go check it out. Uh, it is on Prime Video, but go look at go look it up. The Doors, uh, featuring uh, the crazy man Val Kilmer. Um, Little tangent, but. Uh Mr. Robert Richardson is the fellow Cape Cod guy. No shit. I did Hyannis, not know that. Massachusetts. No kidding. Uh, no shit. That's actually a good transition because the next movie. Call, call him up. <laughs> the next movie that I was going to throw at you guys was uh, shot in 2018. So uh, you might find this one more in, in, intriguing, Liam. It might be more current for you. I've got hope. More. More interesting, it is a movie that takes place during the summer of 1991, uh, and it takes place on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Um, I'm losing it is a hope. film uh, called Hot Summer Nights, and uh, it's a pretty good movie. It was a fun fucking movie. I actually found this movie accidentally, and I think the only reason I watched it, Brett, was because it took place on Cape Cod, and I was like, oh, cool, I, you know. Because I spent time on Cape as a Not kid. Not you're in love with Tim- Timothy Shimelet. Nah, he's cool. What's her name is better. Uh, I can never pronounce her name. Micah. Micah Monroe. Uh, she's amazing. Micah Monroe. She's amazing in it. Um, but it's a, a movie. Uh, it, basically, a teen winds up over his head dealing drugs with a rebellious partner and chasing the young man's uh, ignatic sister during the summer of 1991 that he spends on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Um, and I think this happens during Hurricane Bob. I think there's a hurricane coming too. So it happens right around that time. 
Uh, It's really cool. It's a cool period piece. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of like great acting, a lot of high suspense sequences in it. Um, uh, it doesn't have high ratings, so go fuck the rating system. Yeah. But <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's six point four, so this is pretty consistent with everything you're recommending. Exactly, exactly. Uh, go see it. It's a lot of fun. Hot Summer Nights. It's a great movie. Good cast. Um, I think there's great music in it too. I think it had a really good soundtrack. Um, and it's it was an indie. So they did a lot. You can tell that they stretched it a lot. And it feels it feels like it wants to be a bigger film. It feels like it wants to be like a period Scorsese or like a period Paul Thomas Anderson movie. So it's actually a lot of fun to watch. Highly suggested. Go fuck yourself on the rating systems. I highly suggest it. I think it's a good watch. Uh, okay. So moving on. Let's, uh, ooh, okay. So this will be my first selection that has a 7.1 on IODB, has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's a solid tomato at that point. Isn't it so stupid that we rate movies on fucking tomatoes? Isn't it ridiculous? <laughs> Although, oddly enough, I trust Rotten Tomatoes more than I trust IMDB. Uh, I just hate, I hate the scoring on, on both of them. I think there's just so, they make or break movies and the way that the, the scoring works and the way the algorithm works for it, it's so fucked up. It drives me crazy. Anyway, little movie shot. 1974 is when it came out. This is another film that I did a screening for back in Boston. I don't know if you were there for this one, Brett. You might have been. Uh, it's a movie about a mercenary and a master of martial arts. Stars one of the coolest guys in martial arts history and i am not talking about bruce lee i'm talking about the japanese version of bruce lee i'm talking about the man uh the guy that tarantino loves so much for good reason and if you watch if you go back and watch true romance which is a great movie uh in true romance um what's his name christian slater is in the movie theater watching this film in that movie it's a little movie called The Street Fighter. Now, not the one based on the video game starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. That movie's a big pile of shit. This movie's called The Street Fighter, and it stars Sonny Chiba, and it is a badass 70s kung fu flick loaded with machismo, loaded with violence. There's, there's actually a section in this movie where uh, one of my favorite parts happened where he's fighting a guy and he punches the guy on the top of the head and then they go into quote-unquote x-ray vision and you see the guy's skull get cracked and his spine split and they do it all in camera with color gels and stuff. It's really fucking fun. They were doing that in 1974? Yeah, dude. Dude, this movie's a lot of fun. Um, And Sonny Chiba is such a great actor. He just has this personality on screen loaded with machismo, (laughs) loaded with stuff. This is a movie to have a house party to. This is a movie to drink to. I might actually do a house party next week and put this on because I think this movie is a fucking blast. And I know that when we screened it with a a, a large theater people, everybody was screaming at this movie and laughing at this film. This movie is a lot of fucking fun. Um, And I think it's on Prime. Yep, if you have a subscription, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, And it's on a bunch of different outlets. I own this fucking movie because it's so great. Um, and if you're a cinematographer listening to this, this movie, I think 
this movie kind of started the whole kung fu action fighting in the rain at the end of the movie kind of thing. Um, I guarantee you, whoever whoever was planning Richard Donner planning uh, Lethal Weapon Four for the end scene that happens at Lethal Weapon Four, he definitely ripped it off this movie. Uh, this movie's amazing. You can watch it for free on Tubi. Ooh, I, what is Tubi? Have you used Tubi? I've just discovered Tubi recently, and I've been able to watch some movies for free. Like I don't understand. It's a legal website where I'm watching these great movies for free. I think I watched Mother on Tubi. Wow. They got a couple good flicks on there. Do they have uh, advertisements in between it, or, or is it just straight up? Uh, yeah, I think they do actually interrupt the films <laughs> randomly. <laughs> Yeah, there's a bunch of those. There's a bunch because I have uh, so I have a Roku, and the reason I got a, a Roku or Roku uh, is that you can download custom channels on it or like uh, independent channels on it, which are really interesting. So there's a bunch of really cool Grindhouse channels. There's a bunch of cool old horror movie channels, and you get to see all that stuff for free. But they just run ads, so you have ad breaks in between that stuff. It's like using Crackle or whatever. Um, but these like independent run little streaming channels have got the licensing for a lot of these movies that have disappeared. So there's, it's a really great streaming platform to use because you can go back and I was watching like old Vincent Price movies last week. I was digging deep. Um, so there's a lot of really cool stuff on that. And I, I haven't downloaded Tubi, but I know Tubi's a station like that. that runs Actually, out. it looks like the whole thing is on YouTube as well. Ooh, yeah, it doesn't. It makes sense to me because I don't. I, I don't even know if anybody's still trying to collect royalties on this movie. Yeah, this, this movie's been around for a long time. This movie's like in Tarantino's like top twenty-five films. Okay, so if you don't take my fucking word for it, if you need someone cooler and hipper that makes movies that you really like, Tarantino loves this movie. The Street Fighter, Sonny Chiba. Watch we should it. have a streaming party and watch this, and I'll turn our mics on and yell at each other. Oh, we should. We'll talk about that after. I think we're going to do that. Oh man. Um. So that's a cool fucking movie. Um. And then my last selection, because we're running long here, my last selection is another movie from the seventies. Uh, looks like it's on Amazon Prime for free if you have a subscription. Uh, it, this movie is the highest rated selection of all the films that I've pulled for today. This movie clocks in on IMDb at a 7.6 out of 10, but on Rotten Tomatoes, it clocks in at, hold your breath, a 97%. Oh, wow. Holy shit. This is a 97% thing. Everybody now, now it might, now it's a good movie. It's a, it's a really ripe tomato. Fuck, this must be a good one. Um, all right, let me give you the description. Detective Philip Marlowe tries to help a friend who is accused of murdering his wife. Um, this movie is called The Long Goodbye, and it features Elliot Gould, very young Elliot Gould. Um, and it is a really awesome film noir. I think it takes place in California. Um, it's sort of a 70s, it's shot in 1973. It's a 70s police crime drama that's also a bit of comedy mixed into it because Elliot Gould has sort of a cynical sort of sense of humor that runs through this whole thing. Um, this I'm movie sold. this movie's fucking perfect. This movie has influenced Steven Sodenberg's films. So like if you watch The Limey, 
if you watch, um, uh, what's the one with uh, George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez? Um, not get, not the Get Out. It's um, fuck you, not Get Shorty. <laughs> it's one of those other ones. Anyway, I, my brain just stopped. He is influenced. This movie has influenced so many different crime films. Um, it influenced like The Last Boy Scout. All these different movies from the '90s that really uh, out of sight. Out of sight. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh man. So. Definitely check this one out. Let me see who directed this one. It is, um, like I said, it is on. Robert Altman. Fuck, was it Altman that did this? Altman did the long goodbye. No shit. Fucking Robert Altman is the man. All right, here's why Robert Altman's the man, Liam. Because I know you're like, who's Robert Altman? What? What gave it um, away? <laughs> okay, so Robert Altman is, a, is an Academy Award winning director. Uh, he's made some amazing films. He did the 1970s film MASH, which then went on to influence the television series that ran for, for years and years and years. Um, he did The Player, which is an amazing movie. Uh, and one of the traits that uh, Robert Altman had, and you'll find this interesting, uh, Brett, is that what he would do is he would have scenes with a lot of people. So he'd have scenes with 30 or 40 people. He would mic up everybody. So he would mic up all the actors, all the extras, all the folks. And when he plays back these scenes, everybody's talking at the same volume. And so you have to sort of sort your way through to find the character and listen to the character that you want. And sometimes he'll mix it in and dial it in so that you can get the lines when they're specific and when you need them. But he'll play out scenes where you're hearing the whole room. Um, it's really kind of interesting. It works. It really does, dude. Go back and watch. Have you seen the original MASH, the movie that uh, influenced the TV show? Hell fucking what? yeah. You've seen this, yes? It's amazing. Okay, good. Good, Liam. You're, you're, you're redeeming yourself. Uh, <laughs> okay, I grew up on the TV show, and then when I was able to, it was, I don't know, a couple years ago, I sat down and watched the film. MASH is a masterpiece. I love that film. It's amazing. Elliot Gould's in MASH, so he's one of the leads. So he's in MASH, and if you like that film, Liam, you're going to like The Long Goodbye because it's the same, same sort of filmmaking style, same vibe. It's almost like a play, the way it plays out for MASH. And, and like I said, he mics up everybody, so when you go in those tents, you're hearing all the people in those tents, which are really fucking, it's really fun and really fascinating. It's actually a cool technique that I'm going to try to use in like two or three scenes of my new movie um, because I think it's a really good way to immerse yourself in the atmosphere, in that environment with all those different people. Um, MASH is a good movie, but The Long Goodbye is fucking fantastic. Uh, there's a reason why the tomato is so red. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth watching. So... <clears throat> That is my list. We, we've been trying to keep this show shorter, but we're, we're at like, what, <laughs> almost two hours? Yeah. <laughs> we're at like two hours for, uh, for, for movie requests. But look, here's the deal. All this ranting and raving and all this talking about movies, uh, it, sometimes it just feels good to break the algorithm. Sometimes it just feels good to go back and watch these films. And for a lot of these movies, I think it's all about getting yourself in the right mindset. And if it's a fun film that I think you should go do like a house party or, or whatever the fuck, 
what do they call them? Zooms or whatever the fuck they are. <laughs> I feel like such a 40 year old, whatever these stupid, uh, fucking, uh, sharing apps are right now. Do do that. I would definitely do that for street fighter. I would definitely, definitely do that for purple rain. Definitely do that. Um, but these other ones like long goodbye, just make yourself, you know what? Go make yourself like a fucking mixed drink. If you drink, or go make yourself a nice cup of tea if you don't. But make yourself something that it just feels classic. You know, like make yourself like an old fashioned and sit down and watch The Long Goodbye and sip an old fashioned. And pop on a nice bag of popcorn, buttered popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all about setting the mode. It's all about setting the mood. At any time that you're going to watch one of these older films, start by leaving your phone in the other room. Literally leave it in the other room. Don't have it near you because just that mode that you're in where you no longer have that device near you is the mode that you want to be in when you sit down and watch these movies. And I think that they're going to influence you guys. And I think that you're going to watch these films and then suddenly be opened up to a whole new line of movies, a whole new collection of movies. And I think it's going to influence your work if you're working in this business Um, because there's a lot of great techniques that have been around for hundreds of years that we've ignored um, and these are techniques that we should go back to and celebrate and bring back to the forefront and use on our projects now. So go back, watch this stuff. Go further than just those fucking algorithm lists that show up on your streaming services. Dig deeper. Um, go subscribe to Criterion. Go subscribe to some of these smaller independent stations and look at these older films. And I think you guys are going to really find some gems in there. Um, anyway... Uh, Brett, thanks for being on the show. Is there anything uh, that you want to plug? Is there, You're not leaving the house right now. <laughs> no, I mean, what are you going to come watch me do stand-up comedy in my bedroom? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, if I can throw out like another suggestion that's in a different vein from everything you were talking about. But uh, The Lobster is also on Netflix if we want to make this a Netflix episode. Oh. Uh, it's a film... It's a dark comedy that is so dark that I found that I do have a breaking point with how I like my dark comedy. <laughs> I used to be to a point where I needed my comedy to be like the darkest as possible. And then I watched The Lobster and I was like, oh, okay. I Maybe not this dark anymore. <laughs> that said, I still enjoyed The Lobster. It's this uh, dystopian, dark, dark movie starring Colin Farrell. And uh, John C. Riley's in it. And basically, when you are going through a divorce, you get sent to live at this little hotel where you will hopefully find your new mate. Ooh. However, if you do not find a new partner, then you are turned into an animal. And that's just how you have to live the rest of your life. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I haven't seen this one. Ooh. And it's so dry and dark. And Olivia Coleman's in it too. She's fucking awesome. Oh. Uh, and it, it has such a dark Greek tragedy ending that I don't want to give away. But I really enjoyed it, but I might never watch it again. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good way to suggest you, you check it out, but it is so goddamn intense. You'll be thinking about it for the rest of the month. Yeah, it's funny how there's a lot of movies out there that are really great and you want to have that experience, but you never want to watch the fucking thing again. I just watched Honey Boy last week and I had that same fucking experience where it was like, God damn, this movie's good, but I never want to see it again. 
Um, <laughs> it's 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 they really good. Yeah. Well, you know, they just do such a good, for the Honey Boy. They do such a good job of sort of tackling tackling like what it's like to have an abusive parent and what it's like to grow up around alcoholism. Um, and that's uh, um, who was the star of that one? It was what's his name. Well, Shia LaBeouf plays his own dad in it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's basically his own biopic. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. I don't know if you've seen it, um, but it's it's really I brutal. Uh, it very good. It's really good. FKA Twigs is in it, um, and she's actually really good. Oh, I know she acted. Ah, it's kind of creepy, too, because she's got this thing for a younger kid in it, so it's kind of weird and creepy. Um ah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's, it's she plays a computer that speaks. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm gonna watch it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it'll be a good place to get a boner. That'll be a good one for you. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, let's uh, tackle some of this uh, stuff at the end here. What what sort of new uh, COVID information do you have for us, Liam? Well, uh, I do have information so npr has uh, a really great article on for musicians if they're looking for relief resources uh, npr basically broke down how you can support your favorite musicians as well as if you're a musician these are some ways that you can get support so we've been focusing a oh, lot cool. on filmmakers but obviously you know we have a, a bunch of different creatives who listen to this show and for the musicians you are not left out we are looking for resources for everybody Nice, nice. And you're going to be posting all these resources in the description for the show. 100%. Uh, at inlovewiththeprocess.com and, uh, and usually under the descriptions underneath the show. But if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, that's a great place to dig deeper and find a bunch of different resources. I'm sure Liam will put up some trailers from the movies that we had talked about on today's episode. So if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, uh, there you'll be able to pick the episodes based upon the subject material. And I have a whole section for the COVID episodes that we're doing um so great place to find links to all the stuff that we're talking about yep uh what else you got uh quickly in, in that tangent to plug our subreddit i've created a mega thread on our subreddit with all of the resources and all of the links to the episodes all in one spot so uh it's if you're on reddit you don't have to get off of reddit to find the resources but all of them go to inlovewiththeprocess.com so it's just Hell yeah. yeah. If you're on Reddit, it's it's there. If you're on inlovewiththeprocess.com, it's all there. It's We got you. We got you wherever you are. Uh, we're looking at uh, a fun fun fact for all those socialists who are sitting there pissed off that Bernie decided to suspend his campaign. Uh, <laughs> Europe, South Korea, Australia, and others are making efforts to offer payments to citizens, including Spain offering the idea of universal basic income. So if you're listening from Spain, you guys might be the first one to get UBI based off of a COVID response. It sounds like it sounds like a sexually transmitted. Disease. Oh, UBI? <laughs> You'll be the first one to get UBI yeah. because of COVID. Spain contracted UBI. It was great. Yeah, nice. Um, nice. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And they're offering a lot of resources. So if you're, uh, this is just a, a general link, but if you're, if your country is on this article, check it out because you're probably able to get more than $1,200 out of your future tax returns. But uh, one of the things that, Mike, you and I have talked about off-show uh, just mm -hmm. came to fruition this week. 
Quibi. Oh, Quibi launched. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you mean you mean the uh, watch your little shows on your little phone there? Huh? Yeah. Great. Great. You mean the network that makes uh, movies that are less than uh, three minutes for you younglings that can't focus for longer than that? Is that the that's one? It, that's the one. I actually was oh, on great. a. Uh, I've always said that web series need a new platform. Yeah, I love love web series. Oh, dude, yeah. I was on a I was on a call with a, a professor from my school uh, yesterday, and apparently he's passing the time by having his students write pitches for Quibi shows. Like that. Look, that's what we're look, doing in school right now. You're just you're just trying to fucking trigger me. <laughs> look. <laughs> I think it's great that there's a good content being created. I think there's good resources for content being created. I've seen that Sam Raimi's doing a, a a thing on it. There's a bunch of big name talent that that's doing stuff on it. I think all that stuff's fantastic. And if if that's a place that you find your content, and if you're like, look, I don't have the attention span to see anything over uh, three minutes long. I think th- I don't know if they're going to do well because their whole sales pitch was that while you take the bus to work and you yep. only have 15 minutes. Here, you can watch some content within 15 minutes, but now everybody has like literally fucking four months to watch shit. So it'd be it'd be fascinating to see how successful they it are. It is blowing uh, my mind that they decided to release it now. Like just, I, I looked up some stats on this. 300,000 downloads on day one because they're offering a free 90-day trial, which kind of makes sense. But after that, it goes up to its paid subscription, which is four ninety nine per month with ads, or seven ninety nine per month ad free. What? That's too much <laughs> already. Now they have what? they they did a, a funding. They got over a billion dollars in funding um, to actually produce those, and they have four hundred and seventy million dollars that they're looking to spend on ads for the service in the first year, and they have content that is going to last them up until Thanksgiving. So at Thanksgiving, they're going to run out of new content. And of course, right now, all the new content is being created. So they're going to be able to last longer than that. Dude, of of course they have content that lasts till Thanksgiving because they can literally shoot enough for a regular TV series, but only put out fucking 10 minutes of it. (laughs) I just like, it's like, I, I personally, I don't understand if all they have is up until Thanksgiving. If, if this situation lasts that long, they're going to run out of content. They're looking at spending four, almost $500 million in ad re, uh, ads to promote the service that is exactly like you said, supposed to be consumed during commutes, during downtime, in between work, or while you're shopping or any of that stuff. Like this is, I don't, I physically don't understand how people are excited about this thing. And a lot of people I've talked to have downloaded this. What did they say? Have you, have you? I haven't looked at it, so I shouldn't be such a naysayer. Maybe it's amazing. No, that's exactly what well, they've all I'm said. Looking up they said info we, now because oh, are you? you sorry, know, sorry. Yeah, the the people that I talked to yesterday about it, they were like, I downloaded it, I haven't opened it, and then when I said that it was going to change after ninety days to a paid service, they're like, Oh, I'm not keeping it after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they got a show called Flipped, which has Caitlin Olsen and Will Forte, who are great, and so. That, that show runs for 11 episodes, and assuming that they're all 10 minutes long, I mean, that's essentially a movie, yeah. right? It's yep. like an hour and a half 
yep. comedy. Yep. Yep. That's the that's the hook. That's the little gimmick. That's like the behind the scenes fucking gimmick here. They're able to take this content that they would normally just spend all that money for to make an hour and a half long piece, stretch that thing out to be a season, quote unquote a season, and still charge you as much as you get charged for all these other services that show full length stuff. So it's fascinating. And and it's, they're it sounds like they're charging more than Netflix and the others. Just to watch a movie that's on a one by one frame. Oh, do they do that? Yeah, you can do flip to nine by sixteen, one by one, sixteen by nine. You can do any of that. Oh, okay. So it, you can still watch it regular resolution. Yep, but it's oh. it's shot in a way that you could frame it up and watch it. <laughs> oh. Guys, I think I have corona. <laughs> If somebody help Mike, he can't guys, breathe anymore. Guys, I have a, I, I have a, Put I have a, a ventilator. I have a fever. I have a fever. Uh, can you? Uh, okay, great. Okay, cool. Moving on. What else do you have? Cats. This is this. Okay. Yeah, cats. Release the butthole. Cut. That's what it is. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Cats of the butthole cut. So what is this? Uh, apparently. I, I found this article that was released. Uh, the Daily Beast found somebody, so take that as you will. But they found somebody that was working on cats, and it turns out that at some point the animators were animating uh, realistic buttholes onto all of the characters. <laughs> now I'm assuming these are cat buttholes and not human buttholes. These are cat buttholes. <laughs> these are groomed buttholes. <laughs> oh my god, and dude. It got How about relevant. Now, now here's the crazy thing. It they gave them a six this they gave the animators a six month runway to animate the two minute trailer. Then after that trailer was released, they gave them a four month runway to complete the two hour film. Oh my god. Wow. So wow. After that was at, at some point in that timeline. They discovered that the animators had put in realistic cat buttholes on all <laughs> of the animated cat characters. And so they hired one person to go through and clean up all of the cat buttholes and get them off of the characters. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm looking at this shit online here. So these aren't just animated cats. These are people that are animated and they put buttholes on the people. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I need and this. Mike, I don't know if you know about this, but when they released it to theaters, they hadn't finished up all of the CGI. This is true. So like a, a week or two in, they pulled that version and released like a 1.5, like it's a piece of software with <laughs> newer CGI to cover up one of the actors like wristwatches. It was so like, bad. You could see their human hands. They they didn't have their cat fur on them. Oh my yep. god! I actually th this is <laughs> take this as you will. I saw cats in theaters opening week because I wanted to see just how bad it was, and it lived up to it. Now that being said, as somebody who really likes motion design and animation and all that stuff, and understanding the the work that goes into it. I don't blame the animators at all. And what was said at the Oscars about all that stuff, that was, 
absolutely uncalled for and completely disrespectful to all of the people who worked on average 90 hour weeks to produce this yeah. this content but the, it just animators work their fucking asses off on these films and it's, yeah. they're so underappreciated yeah that being said it was, was hysterical what was the comment that they made i can't remember what the comment was uh they said um uh, it was it was the two comedians, Rebel Wilson and the uh, late night guy. They came out dressed up uh, as cats to do to to present the best animated film, and they said, "And nobody knows about bad animation better than us." Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. So they're like they're so the they're inferring that it was the yeah. Here, here's the actual quote: uh, "As cast members of the motion picture Cats, nobody more than us." understands the importance of good visual effects. <laughs> Got it. Yep. Got it. Yeah, blame the bad movie on the fucking post-production team. It had nothing to do with production or pre-production. It has to do with just the fucking animation. Like, I, I'm a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, and I'm happy that they went back and changed Sonic. <laughs> no. But I went and saw it, and it didn't make it a good movie just because he <laughs> looks good now. It was still a bad fucking movie. <laughs> I forgot what a fan of Sonic Un- you are. Understand the horror that is because the 2020 year uh, of cinema has basically been canceled. Sonic is in one of the front runners for best animated feature. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I just went and looked up. I was like, who's the director that did Cats? I'm like, who is Tom this Hopper. hack that did Hooper? this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy who did Les Miserables, the guy who did the King's Speech, yep. the guy who did the Danish girl, did cats. <laughs> Dude, and this article is scathing. I mean, they talk about Brutal. him specifically. And, oh. and now I don't, yeah, Hooper, I don't want to, like, I don't know. I like his other work. I'm a big fan of what he's producing, but what this article is saying, how he treated the animators is downright awful. Uh, well, I'll have to check that off. I'll have to check that out off camera. Um, okay. Well, cool. Nice, uh, nice relevant. Cause for those of you who have been following the show, we, we actually <laughs> unrelated put out an episode called finding the cat's butthole. So <laughs> that is that is the reference here that Liam is doing. Wow. That is the callback. Like that? Uh yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, we released an episode called Finding the Cat's Butthole uh with um the animator from Adult Swim. And uh one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on the show was because he has this great clip on Instagram, which is his cat that sort of marches in front of you and shows you his butthole. And I really like that. <laughs> I really like that animation. And so then when we were, Liam's like, what, what should we find? What should we call the show? I'm like, finding the cat's butthole. That should be the name of this episode. Yeah, uh, finding the cat's butthole part two. And I think that, I think that actually suffered our viewership, our listenership on that show. Cause everybody was like, what am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the episode <laughs> with the dialogue coach from the two popes? Am I going to listen to, the uh, episode with uh, this acclaimed cinematographer, or am I going to listen to this Finding the Cat's Butthole episode? <laughs> uh, so, you know, titling is important. Lesson. Lesson learned. On yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, lesson learned. But that's <laughs> what it is. I really want to find the cat's butthole now. I want to see this cut of cats. 
Oh my god! At least the butthole cut. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that there's some sort of petition online that you can that you can oh, yeah. document your name on, Liam. <laughs> that later, later when they have a Me Too too, <laughs> oh my comes god, out to be like. <laughs> be like, who are those people that had their names on the cat's butthole list? And then uh, you will be outed. Um, anyway, I think that's a good place to end the episode. Uh, Brett, thanks for being on. Um, I appreciate you uh, going through the technical difficulties to be on the show. I figured it out, but here we are. Thank you, my friend. And uh, I will keep you up to date. I think I'm going to do some sort of house party. I think we got to do a house party with Street Fighter. Yeah. All right. I'll keep you up to date on that. Um, and as always, Liam, uh, good job. Thank you so much. Thank you for that information. Uh, we hope that you guys listening at home are uh, staying safe and staying sane. I hope that uh, you got some pretty cool movie re- movie uh, suggestions on here. I hope there's some, at least one fucking title that you're going to try to go watch. Um, and, uh, if you're watching something good and if there's stuff that, uh, you want us to talk about on the show, or if there's just movies that you want us to watch, uh, reach out to us. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Mike Petch. You can reach out on our Reddit. What's our Reddit? It is r slash in love with the process. There it is. And then, um, send us stuff. Let us know what you think. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. Continue, continue for the love of God. Suggest it to your friends. Tell your friends to listen to the show. Um, and uh, without you guys, we would not be doing so well right now. So really appreciate everybody. Um, and uh, thank you guys. All right, everybody. Wash your hands. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>